Hello, and welcome to episode 79 of Take Heart. Before we get started today, we would like to let you know how grateful we are for you, our listeners. We love hearing from you, so you can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Take Heart Special Moms, and let us know how we can best serve you. And don't forget to check out our website at TakeHeartSpecialMoms.com for free resources and show notes. Welcome to Take Heart, where our goal is to offer encouragement, give hope, and insight so you can flourish in your journey as a special needs mom. As we explore monthly themes, share inspiring stories, and practical tips, our desire is to continue to serve you and new listeners. Carrie, Sarah, and I want to thank you for joining us today. Hello and welcome. This episode, we're talking about the crazy things people say to us as special needs moms. Now, as I've said before, I'm a mom of six. We are a big family. We're a transracial family. We are a special needs family, so we do not sneak in anywhere. And I would say that for the most part, people have been generous at the things they have said to me, but there are times when they have not. And I think it's human nature to want to help. And when we see a situation that's different or difficult, we want to comment or help. And I think most of us may have good intentions, but we just don't know what to say. I've been on the receiving end of some weird comments. And these comments come from total strangers, and they sometimes come from well-meaning friends. And we can laugh it off. All three of us have cracked up at some of the things people have said to us, and it gives us a sense of camaraderie. But also, those things people say can be hurtful. It can make us cause to doubt what we know is true. So today, we're going to give you nine things that people say to special needs moms, this list we compiled. So we're going to start with Sarah. Number one. Number one, you're such an inspiration. Or you must be so patient or so kind. And Amy, I think you've called it the Mother Teresa complex before. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) This one drives me crazy. And I know the intentions are good. I, I, I know they're paying me a compliment. But it just, the lie that I tell myself then is that I have to be positive and an inspiration all the time. And then it also makes me feel like a complete farce like I'm like Mm -hmm. you have absolutely no idea if you think I'm an inspiration like I there's no way you would like the real me because hot mess express 90% of the time and then I think you internalize those comments it's like oh my gosh so I need to be an inspiration I need to be patient I need to be kind and then that's when if we're not patient or we're not kind then we start to um, shame ourselves in that. And, you know, I think on the last episode, Carrie, you had said something, um, there was a quote that just because somebody carries it, 
well doesn't mean that it's not heavy. And that is, that's what I start to feel with this type of comment is that they think that it must not be heavy. Um, and they just, for, they, they must not realize or they forget that there are stresses that have become normal for us. And it's daily, it's daily trauma, it's continuing trauma. And so, yeah, that's, that's one of the biggies for me. I think it also makes us not be vulnerable. Because once you've just told me I'm so wonderful, I'm not going to tell you, no, I'm not. I've cried all day today or I can't. Like, it just isolates us more. Um, yeah. It's meant as a compliment, but. Yeah. But somebody tells you an inspiration, you're not going to tell them that you absolutely lost it with your whole family because of carrots. You know, like. Or you haven't showered. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> inspiration like, really? shower is my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Really? It's Sunday. I don't think I've showered since the last time you told me I was an inspiration. <laughs> well, and I would also just like to speak to those families that have caregivers in their home, whether it's a nurse or an aide or something. I've been parenting in front of nurses for 15 years. And it is a whole different ballgame of I can't lose it in front of them because, you know, they're going to report me to child services or something, you know. And I just like there were there have been times where I just have had to look at our nurse and say, sorry, you had to see that. But like this is real life and we're not going to put on this big. um, It almost makes you feel like you can't be at home in your own home kind of thing. But. I've just had to work through getting over that because there, I mean, there are a lot of families out there that are special needs kids who have nurses in and out or, you know, different people and you, it's okay to be yourself. So, and it's okay to be human. Right. I love that. All right. Number two, this is mine. Offering solutions. Have you tried fill in the blank fish oil? (laughs) Uh, Time out. <laughs> Have you tried teaching her right from wrong? <laughs> Prayer. <laughs> I'm kind of being silly, but no, it's true. People have said all these things to me, specifically with kids with behavioral issues. Have you tried, you know, just have her memorize Bible verses, not understanding the um, pathology of brain damage from alcohol. And um, so that frustrates me to no end because I know they're trying to be helpful, but I feel like I am sinking and they're offering me a teaspoon to like a bale water. <laughs> and I just want to say, I'm like, oh, thank you. I mean, I, I have an inner snark, definitely. <laughs> but that lie there is, I must be, you know, like, well, I have, I have tried those things, but maybe there's something I'm not trying. Maybe, I, you know, that's kind of that feeling like they're saying to you, have you tried this? Obviously, you're not doing enough because your child can't um, get better or, you know, I think people want our kids to be better. They're uncomfortable. Yeah, I think it makes them, honestly, Mm -hmm. I think our lives make people uncomfortable. Exactly. Um, I think, um, again, like I think last time, Carrie, you said that they think that they're going to catch it. Mm -hmm. Right. Or if I ignore it long enough, I can pretend that that could never happen to me. And... That's where, yeah, so (laughs) I had somebody one time, so my son has muscular dystrophy and it's progressive and every muscle in the body deteriorates over time. So including the heart and lungs, this has been muscular dystrophy has been around for hundreds of years and I had somebody stop. They were selling vitamin supplements or whatever powder supplements they were selling at the time and said, well, have you ever tried insert the product 
So it's basically like muscle milk. Like if you would go to the local, you know, gas station and go pick up some muscle milk. And I, I know myself well enough that I had to have this face because I don't hide my facial expressions. I really try. But it had to be, are you flipping kidding me right now? <laughs> because I wanted to be like, oh, muscle milk. Like you said, like, the oh, time to out. all our problems. I'd, yeah. I never heard of time out. Absolutely. I was just like, uh, yeah, actually, I have tried that. And I just walked off. Like, because, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you know, doctors over hundreds of years, they're like, oh, yeah, we, we forgot that part. Well, and I think so. I think you guys know me and know my heart. Like, speaking from the other side of that, because some of those things have even come out of my mouth, I tend to be a fixer. So when I see people in rough situations, immediately my empathy radar is just way up there. And I'm thinking about ways to help or ways to fix it or whatever it is, because I don't want to see that person walking with that burden. And I think what we do is we end up minimizing it in a way instead of just saying, and I've learned this um, over the process of my life, is it is a better to keep my mouth shut or, or be to listen or just to say, you know, this is hard. I am going to acknowledge and see you that this is hard. Um, so, But I think you made a really good point, though, because people, I'm sure I've said it. I think, I mean, I know prior to having TJ's diagnosis, I had to have said some really stupid stuff. And if anybody's listening and I said stupid stuff, I'm really <laughs> sorry. Or if I continue to say stupid stuff, because that's a distinct possibility. But I just think... Going into things with the intentionality of understanding that other people have good intentions. That gentleman who stopped me and said, have you tried X product? He was not being mean. He was not intentionally trying to minimize my problems. And I just said, thank you. Yeah, I have. Or or, I said, yes, I have. Or Amy, like you said, if somebody said, have you tried timeouts? Oh, thanks. I'll try that. I mean, because the last thing we want to do is lay into people who have good intentions. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point. It's not, it, people say some stupid stuff and it's not always, they, they're coming at it from a very good place, but that doesn't mean that it's not like a slap your forehead type of comment either. Yeah, I, I want to add to that too, because I've been thinking a lot lately about, especially in light of like all the conversations people are having in the divided kind of country we have is, how do we practice the Christian value of hospitality? And hospitality is not just having people over for dinner. It is opening up space and listening. So I have to think, like, Carrie, I'm like you. I'm really empathetic. I've been a special needs mom long enough to know, okay, I'm not going to offer anything. But, like, how do I offer hospitality to this person that's struggling? And that may mean, you know, when someone comes to your house, you don't go, eat this, 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 and this. You're like, what can I get you? What will make you feel most comfortable? So I like to think of it like that when I'm talking and listening to people, but also like in your, in our situation, when people say muscle milk or whatever, that's their way of offering hospitality. It's not ill-intentioned. Now we've all been on the receiving end of some really dumb and ill-intentioned comments, but I think that little concept has really helped me lately think about how I'm responding or how I'm accepting things people are saying to me. So anyway, all right, Carrie, number three. Three. So number three is I couldn't do what you do. Oh, I and <laughs> oh. I think 
really the lie behind <laughs> this. Like, we really need to be hospitable. Yes. And we're all like, oh, <laughs> I know. It wasn't even 10 seconds. Oh, man. This sucks. <laughs> Go on, Carrie. So I, I think with this one is just the lie that somehow we um, we had a choice. Yep. Right. And and I even want to speak to this. Um, I remember one of my very close friends from college when they felt called to adopt. Um, and I remember her. They found out something about um, the baby that could have like a medical implication it ended up being nothing. But I remember her calling me on the phone and I rem- and. In her saying, you know, what do we do about this? Because we know God has called us to this. And I said, you don't, you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. God's called you to this. And he has picked this child for you. And, you know, and so I, I think we do what we do because we don't have a choice. And whether God has called you to that through adoption or it's a child that you've birthed from your own womb, you don't have a choice. And and so we just have to lean into these difficult situations. And, um, and again, I'm sure this is coming from a place of, um, you know, something always looks a lot harder from the outside than when you're in it. But I, I think it also just is a call for all of us as special needs parents to... Um, First of all, realize that we don't have to be super mom. And and secondly, just to tell people where our strength comes from. Right? This is a chance to spread the gospel that I can't do this on my own. This is really hard actually. And there are days that it's harder than others. And the only reason why it even appears that I can, which I really can't, is because of Christ. And his strength and power is supernatural. So. I think it's it's very easy when somebody says that. I've heard that so many times. I couldn't do what you do. It's very easy, one, to think, why? Why Why do you think it's so hard to mother my child or to be a parent to my child? Like, you, it's very easy to go on a tangent of, well, they must not think my child's worthy of love or they must not think that my child's worthy of this or my family, whatever. And that's not it. And it's also, I have to caution myself that they don't have to get a 30-minute dissertation as well. And I think simply telling them, like you said, Carrie, of, well, you know what? I can't do what I do either. And the only reason why I can is, you know, through Jesus Christ. That's It's just a great, simple way to spread the message. Amen. I agree. Okay. So number four. <laughs> I gave this to Qu- you on purpose. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is going to be good. So questions. When people have questions, the good, the bad, the dumb. Um. Again, I think the lie is, is that every time somebody asks us a question, they deserve an answer. Some of them don't deserve an answer. And I will, I'm going to share the dumbest thing somebody has ever said to me. And it was in front of my child. It was on a flight to Hawaii for our, my son's Make-A-Wish trip. And I was taking TJ to the bathroom 
And we had our buttons and shirts on. When you're on a Make-A-Wish trip, they want you to wear the buttons and the shirts when you're traveling and all the stuff. So we were, we had that on and for the most part, people are like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. And you get the little head tilt or whatever. Um, But for the most part, everybody was okay until we were going to the bathroom and this lady said, oh, and she grabbed my arm and stopped me and said, now keep in mind, TJ is holding my hand. He is right next to me. And she goes, oh, is he going to make it? Like, I was so dumbfounded. Like, is he going to live? And TJ, I looked over at TJ, and TJ's looking at me like with wide eyes. So I just turned around and told her, I said, I sure as heck hope so, because we're all on the same flight. And I walked off. (laughs) That's all I could do. Like, I'm thinking, that is the dumbest thing I've ever done. And at that moment, that wasn't an advocacy moment. That was not, that, that was that was nothing but for me to make sure that TJ didn't get so scared. Um, and I handed her, I handed her one of my stupid cards. So if you've, <laughs> if you've listened before, um, I actually call them advocacy cards on my website. And again, any people that know me and I've handed you a card, that does not mean that I've, that you were stupid at the moment. I just need to make sure that, because that, they truly are advocacy cards. But basically it's a business card. I print a lot of them really cheap on Vistaprint. And it says, you've just encountered somebody with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It has TJ's face on it. It has website, you know, whatever. And actually, I'm making some more and I'm going to put like the podcast or even if you have an email, if that's all you have is just say, and if you have any questions, here's the email. Will people use it? Probably not. But what it does is at least them, it, it gets you out of the need to defend whatever doesn't need defending in that moment. That woman, as sweet as she was, and that was none of her business whether or not my child was going to make it or not. It is none of her business. And she did not deserve. I did not need to make it into an advocacy moment. I didn't even need to make it into um, sharing the gospel moment. I needed to make sure that I didn't slap her and I took my child to the bathroom. That, that was really all I needed to do in that moment is to get TJ to the bathroom. So we didn't have a bigger issue on our hands. But so, yeah, I would say the good, the bad and the dumb questions there. Can I add to that? Um, when you have a kid that has an invisible disability, a lot of times people make comments because of behavior. And for me, and this is something my therapist helped me with a lot, like I want them to understand that it's not my parenting. I want them to understand that this kid can't help what they're doing. And my therapist said they don't deserve, unless there's someone who's willing to sit down with you, you don't need to have like this whole PowerPoint of what, that's not their business. There are even, ha- I've even had friends that I've, I've thought, okay, it's not their business because they're really not wanting to learn. They're just looking at the external. So um, I know that moms out there that have kids with invisible disabilities do um, are on the receiving end of a lot of these kind of comments. So that was encouraging to me. Like they don't really need to know. And if they, and like the card, Sarah, is a great idea because there may be some people that are like, oh, I didn't know that. And now I do. And I have handed out a lot of those cards. I have had one person contact me from it, just one. Um, but that was one person that that made a difference for them. My husband was on a flight um, after a clinical trial. He handed the card to somebody who was sitting in the seat next to him. She lives three, four hours away. When we've had a 5K for a fundraiser, she's come. She brought a team for it. It just, it changed 
a conversation or sparked a conversation. And so sometimes they're not all bad. But in these certain type of situations, I think for me, it it gives I have the I give myself permission to walk off. I give myself permission not to advocate or have to go to bat for my child because there was nothing to go to bat for. So I, I think as special needs moms, we feel like when somebody asks a question, we need to give them the truth. We need to tell this where we want to advocate. We want to make sure that our child is well known. We want to make sure this, this and this. That lady, I'm never going to see her again. I didn't need to waste my effort on her. Also, and so, I think we think our kids are listening. They need to see us stick yes. up for them. And I have, it's not non-special needs related, I've had comments around race because both my girls are black. And there are times I'm mm. thinking, I don't want them to think I'm not standing up for them, but some people don't deserve mm-hmm. for me to talk to them about this. Um, yeah. So I think that's another thing we think. Like, oh, I want my kid to, it's it's not that you were like simpering away, like letting her, t- you, were, you were advocating in that moment by taking TJ away from that situation. Yeah. And I would I would like to add to Amy with what you said about you talking to your therapist because you feel like you want everyone to understand and I've had that is something I've really struggled with. It's like I want everyone around me, even complete strangers, to have a complete understanding and and an acceptance of me. And honestly, that has been one of like the lies kind of from my story of origin, like growing up that I realized that that has come out from having a special needs child that I've had to dive into and work through because they, I don't need everyone to understand. You know, I've learned that. Like, I don't need to have everyone accept or have empathy. Um, And, but there was this like felt need inside of me. And I think we, as women, we all struggle with this to an extent that were seen and understood and and known and even by complete strangers we want everyone to have some kind of understanding and i finding our worth in christ and then of course the people that you know matter the most to us like our spouses and family like that's the most important understanding we need to have and not everyone else there it's not i'm not saying they're not worth it they're worth it to god but they don't need to be a part of that circle, that inner circle. Yeah. And I I think these situations are really good opportunities as a parent. To There's been times where somebody said something really insensitive. And I, I did. I handed them a card. I did not say a word. And we got out in the car and I, I explained to my son, I said, do you understand what they said? And that, that was pretty insensitive. And the reason why I did this, and I said, I think we need to pray for them that they have an open mind the next time they 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 come across somebody with a disability and so we said a quick prayer for that person and it was just an opportunity then for us to say not everybody deserves your words you have the right just because you're disabled and somebody asks a question or touches your wheelchair you are you have the right to walk away you have the right to roll away you have the right to do whatever and i think that that would go for children with behavioral issues too is you don't have to be understood by everybody great point all right we're going to go on to number five the comparison game i've had this a lot um where people say well have you tried you know like my teenager was a little bit snarky and disrespectful and i just took their phone away and like (laughs) first of all you can't compare your neurotypical child to my child so um i think the lie underneath that for me is 
maybe I am doing something wrong, you know, because a lot of times with kids with behavioral issues, it's not a straight shot of diagnosis, you know, and it's so nebulous and it all kind of goes together. So then you think, well, maybe I am doing something wrong as a parent and it's not true. And so I have this a lot. I have this with friends. I have it with people that I don't know as well. I have a dear friend who recently said to me, you know, one of our daughters is having significant mental health issues. And she said, you know what she needs? And I just put my hand up and went, nope, don't tell me she needs a day with mom, a pedicure, uh, this or that. No, you don't understand this situation. So I'm just going to like it. It took, She's a good friend, so I could put the hand up for her. Um, but I think that's a really um, common one where people are trying to, I think, I'm trying to think the best of people as I'm practicing hospitality. And I think people are just trying to find a way to connect. But that can definitely can give you hope. Yeah. And that kind of, but that can make you feel like, oh, maybe I'm doing something wrong. So that's number five. Number six, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. <laughs> We're eye rolling. <laughs> I think every single tell one, we're all like, oh. <laughs> so this is one that has bothered me for a long time. And I've seen things, posts, blog posts about it. And um, I think it just what it comes down to is the fact that, first of all, that verse is being completely taken out of context. Um, so I think that's number one. And this is something that I've been learning lately is, you know, all the verses that we quote, even the verse about, you know, um, everything works together for good to them who are, you know, called according to his purpose. When you look at those scriptures in context, they mean they're richer. Like there's even more meaning to them in the context of what scripture is saying. And so um, I, of course, we want to cling to certain truths, but I think it's just really important not to take things out of context because, and I think what the lie is behind this is that, um, you know, like we can handle this or um, we can do this all on our own. And I think it kind of goes to sort of that self-sufficiency we talked about in the last podcast. Um, and, but what the way that I look at that scripture, first of all, I really do think it's talking about temptation when you're tempted to sin, even though I know that word temptation can be translated different ways because I have studied it several times. But I think, again, it goes back to, we kind of talked about this earlier, is that if you would have asked any of us 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, can you handle this? We would tell you no. And just think about anything that you have faced as a special needs parent or that you have just faced in life, you know, the, the loss of a loved one, COVID, for goodness sake. If anyone would have asked us, oh, you know, you can handle this, you'll get a way of escape. I, I think the point, and I think what people are trying to say is that God does give us the strength. He, you know, but we do have a choice of how we are handling it. Are we trying to do it on our own? Um, or are we trying to, to fight it in our own strength and, and, and sometimes, you know, man's ways and things like that? Or are we just running to God with it and asking him for help? Because the truth is, and it kind of goes back to my number three, I couldn't do what you do, is I can't, I can't do this without God. I wouldn't, I would never, and it's not me, it's, it's him. So, and even if it is part of the way I've been wired, God still gets the credit for that too, because he created all of us. And so. I think to that lie is God doesn't give you more than you can handle. So when you're not handling it, you feel like, okay, my faith is not strong right. enough. There's something wrong yeah. with me and my faith because apparently God 
thought I could handle this. And since I can't, <laughs> you know, like the, I think that's another part of that lie that is right. the lie that 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 comment kind of brings up. Right. Well, and along with that one is the whole I the, some people will say, well, God only gives special kids to special people. <laughs> well, you know, that oh. that one is just I. Or he gives his he gives his uh, biggest battles to his strongest warriors. I really wish that we had a video. Oh. Not really, because none of us have showered. <laughs> but but you, if you no, could, listeners no. can see our eye rolls at all these. <laughs> we, we look like 12-year-old girls. We're like, oh. oh. It kind of leads into Sarah's, yep. doesn't it? <laughs> Number seven. <laughs> oh, the whole, okay. And before I start this, we've used this hashtag before. And so I, I, I completely stand behind it in certain instances. So with that caveat, the whole fight like a mother. I was told from the very beginning, as a special needs mom, you're going to have to fight for every single thing your child needs or wants. And I thought, oh, man, I don't think I can do that. And I think that puts you in a posture of confrontation in life in general. And so now that's not to say that you're not going to have an educator or a therapist or a doctor who you don't have to strap on those gloves and go to bat for. I mean, there's going to be those times because people are human. But to fight for every single thing that your child has. I have a I have a neurotypical able-bodied child and I don't fight for everything he has. I say he's going to have to learn for himself that life stinks sometimes. Welcome to adulthood, kid. I mean, like he actually texted me not too long ago and he said this whole adulting gig is not what it's cracked up to be. I'm like, yeah, welcome. Um But in order to properly, and I think to get our children ready for adulthood, we don't fight every single battle for them. So why is that any different as a special needs mom? Now, I understand when you don't have a neurotypical child, they don't understand some of the nuances and they don't, they don't get, yeah, you do have to do that. But I don't think that every single thing in life is a fight. Sometimes it's okay not to fight. Sometimes it's okay to lose it. I, I don't like lose that battle. Sometimes it's just like, is this is this a hill I'm willing to die on? I ask myself that all the time. And if I'm on the phone with insurance or doctors or you're emailing back and forth with teachers who don't follow the IEP or whatever it is, is this a hill I'm willing to die on? And sometimes it's like, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but other times it's like, you know what? I can let this one go. Well, and I think it goes back to there's that like old quote that says you attract more flies with honey than vinegar, which why you would want to attract flies. I don't know. But the in our experiences, and we've had a lot of medical experiences, and we've had a lot of good, and we've had a lot of bad, is when I'm willing to kindly educate and kindly advocate, we get a whole lot more out of people than when we go in with the gloves on and being angry and nasty. We just do. And I mean, kindness begets kindness, and I know kindness is a buzzword, but it is true. And I I know that we have had, um, you know, doctors write letter, letters of medical necessity and different things because we go in asking, not demanding. Um, I'm not saying there aren't times you have to do that. I totally get that. But there is something to walking in with kindness and not always feeling like having that posture of confrontation. I think Sarah's what you said, which I love that. I think we don't, we shouldn't have that posture of confrontation. Right. 
Plus, it's exhausting. It is. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really exhausting. Yeah. 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 All right. We're going to, we have, let's see, two more. So number eight is comparative suffering. I know what you're going through. Now, I, this was an actual conversation I had with somebody. As I've shared on the podcast before, our child had to be sent to a residential treatment center. And prior to that happening, I remember I was on a run and I saw an acquaintance and I was pretty teared up because I had to make this hard decision. And she said, I know what you're, I'm embarrassed to even say this out loud. I know what you're going through because I had a really unruly dog I had to put down. <laughs> yeah, well, you should, Okay, we need the video. You should see Sarah's face. <laughs> okay, first of all, let me just say, you really just compared my child to an out of control pet. <laughs> now, I don't even know what the lie is here because I think that was just dumb. But <laughs> I'm just going to say... <laughs> Uh, like you're, you're aware that I can't put my child down. Like you're aware once that that's again, not an trying option. to be gracious. I think people are just trying to find some way to connect. And the, the, I was in such trauma that I actually burst into tears and blurted out something to this woman that wasn't really my friend. So he tells you what kind of state I was in. But anyway, all that to say that I get that a lot. Like, oh, I know exactly what you're going through because blah 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 blah. And um, we know we can't compare struggles. We've said that before, but that always please don't compare my child to a pet. <laughs> that's my, that's what I have no, like I said, that's all I got to say about that one. <laughs> all right. And number nine, this last one is as long as the baby's healthy and this is being said to a pregnant mother who is expecting a baby who you know is not going to be healthy, is going to require medical intervention after they're born. And I remember thinking, when I was pregnant with Toby and this was said um, just around me, not necessarily to me. Okay, so what then? Does that mean this child has less worth, less value because they're not healthy? Are we ranking our children's value and worth on what they can do or how they can perform? And I just, I think this is one, and that's the lie. The lie is that our value and worth is linked to... um, how healthy we are or what, how we can perform in life. And so I would just caution against that. I know our, our wish is that every mom would have a healthy baby, but the truth is, you know, we don't grow when things are easy. We grow when things are hard. And, and so, you know, I, not that I would wish for my son's suffering, but I also know that, I'm a completely different person because of it. Right. I think anytime you have the word at least and then fill in the blank, that's probably something you shouldn't be saying. For us, it's <laughs> at least you have other kids that have healthy attachment. Yes, I'm so grateful because I have friends that the only children they have are not attached to them. But it doesn't make this any easier to know that I have. Yes, that's a wonderful part. But that doesn't make my attachment with my atta- these other children that doesn't really do anything for me. I'm grateful for that, yes. But also, I still have to live my life figuring out how to attach to these children um, with these issues. So so basically, don't say at least. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, those were our nine. And I'm sure that we could talk all day and come up with more. And we would love to hear if you have any that you, you know, reach out on social media and give us your craziest thing someone has said to you because we would love to hear it. And we will roll our eyes on your behalf. (laughs) So anyway, Sarah, would you like to close us in prayer? Sure. 
Father God, thank you for the truth that you have for us. Thank you for the truth that you you shed upon us through scripture, through friendships, and, and just through your daily interactions um, with us. And may we approach what others have to say with a heart of hospitality and understanding, letting your truths shine through that. And you are our compass when everything's get tough or we just don't understand how to handle anything. And just thank you for being that compass through the storms of whatever life has to hand us. And may we be May we filter whatever we hear and whatever we feel through the lens of grace and mercy and love, just as your son has. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. joining us this week on Take Heart. Our prayer each week is for your heart to be encouraged. We are grateful you are walking on this journey with us. Thanks for listening. And make sure you join us next week as we start talking to special needs siblings. We're going to have some special guests and you won't want to miss it.